I'm Andrea Hope, and this is To Mother. Episode 9, Mother's Day. Hi, I'm Andrea Hope, a poet, a wife, a mother, and a Baha'i, and this is my podcast, To Mother, where I share my recommendations and insights about parenting with purpose in the modern world. So I share some quotes that inspire me from the Baha'i writing, some practical tips and resources, and sometimes my poetry, and particularly today, lots of my poetry. So uh, today... The episode is about Mother's Day, and I'll say from the beginning, I know it's not Mother's Day for everyone all over the world, but May is the month for Mother's Day in the United States and Poland, which are the two countries that I'm most connected with, and I believe in New Zealand as well. And if it's not Mother's Day where you are living, happy Mother's Day anyway. (laughs) Obviously, it's still a great opportunity to reflect on the role of mothers. Now, this idea actually came from my husband. He said, aren't you, aren't you going to do a Mother's Day uh, event on your podcast? And I said, oh, I hadn't thought about doing that. So if you don't know, I have a poetry book that actually is coming out especially for Mother's Day. So my poetry book to mother, my intention was to release it for Mother's Day, but because people would need some time to get it, especially with things slowing down with the delays in shipping and the need to prioritize most essential items, which I totally understand. But because of that, I actually made the book available much earlier so that people could order it and it could be shipped to them by Mother's Day. And then there's also the ebook, which I learned recently that you don't even need a Kindle to read Amazon ebooks. I assume that you always need to have a Kindle to do that. So... The book is going to be made available for free starting on May 8th, which is my birthday, until the United States Mother's Day, which is May 10th. And then the other thing is, if you're interested in getting the book, you should order it at whatever Amazon site is closest to you. So I had some people write to me and say, oh, it says it doesn't ship to my area. So if you're in the U.S., of course, you're using Amazon.com. But for instance, if you're in the U.K., it might tell you that it doesn't ship to the UK because you have to use amazon.co.uk. There's a different site for Canada, a different one for Australia, etc, etc. So anyway, basically to say (laughs) that because I'm coming out with this book for Mother's Day, I'm going to be reading some poetry for my book. Uh, So this episode will have more of my poetry in it at the end. But I still wanted to start with a quote and I still wanted to talk about a practical tip. So we're going to go into a quote from Abdu'l-Baha. And part of this quote I actually used in the end of my book. Thou didst write as to the children. From the very beginning, the children must receive divine education and must continually be reminded to remember their God. Let the love of God pervade their inmost being, commingle with their mother's milk. And again, Thou didst write as to the children. From the very beginning, the children must receive divine education and must continually be reminded to remember their God. Let the love of God pervade their inmost being, commingle with their mother's milk. So how to start? Well, first I'll say I put this quote, the last sentence of this quote, in the back of my book, and it's on a page all by itself. And in my description, I mentioned that I am inspired by the Baha'i faith to show my connection to the faith because it is such a great part of my life. And even further, I thought about, you know, how art reaches its highest form when it's in worship, when it's connecting to our spirituality. So I did think about 
trying to write poems about central figures of the faith or from quotes in the writings. And I think as I said in another episode, I find it quite difficult to write poetry that's directly speaking about the faith because I find that the writings are so deep and so descriptive Then I often think, well, what can I <laughs> contribute to this that isn't already written and expressed in the writings? So I find that I can do it for children, but for adults, I'm much more likely to feel that I should give them the source of the writings and not try to put it in my own words. So it's a balance that I'm sure, you know, there's great ways to do it and there are lots of books out there that do it well. Um, but yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how to do that in my poetry. So what I end up usually doing is trying to show the influence of the principles of the faith and my understanding and my journey spiritually in my work. So that's why at the end of the book, I included this quote. I think it was just important for me to have that conversation and just to say it out loud because I do want to be thinking about all the opportunities that I have to spread this faith that means so much to me. And my hope is that someone will read that direct quote from the writings and say, oh, this is interesting. Let me find out more. Or who's Abdul Baha? Or what's the Baha'i faith? You know, and I hope that that makes them more curious or that inspires their heart. So the other part that I want to say directly about this quote is that it's been really helpful for me because I was kind of questioning to what degree do I teach our kids about the faith. I'm a person who takes my faith very personally and I feel that no one should ever be forced to take on a religion. The Baha'i faith is very consistent with that, that people should be Baha'i by choice and not by force, and that it's personal investigation of truth. But it's like, how does that apply to kids? So we know at the age of maturity, then our children are able to make their decision if they want to be a Baha'i or not. But what does that mean on the way there? So I kind of had this idea in my head, maybe I won't directly try to influence our kids because it should be their choice, but they'll obviously see me involved in the Baha'i faith and see, oh, mom's praying or, you know, people are coming over for feast. And then when they get to the age of 15, they'll be able to make their own decision about whether this is something that dad and mom accepted that I also want to accept or I have more questions or, you know, whatever. I want to support them in their journey. But reading this quote makes me feel more strongly that I should invite my children into that space and develop their relationship with God from a young age more directly. And I was just thinking about how we do this with other things. You know, I don't want to tell my child as an adult how they balance their diet, for instance. But as a child growing up in my household, I'm going to make the decisions that I think are best for them. And I can't just say, just eat whatever you want at any time. You know, there's different phases of development and there's different values that I have. So my husband and I, like, we don't have sweets in the house. Our daughter is a year and a half and she's never had ice cream. We've decided that, you know, she's young and she doesn't really need ice cream. And we also didn't want her palate to get messed up by having artificial sugars and then not feeling that fruits are sweet. Purpose of that is to say that I'm making these decisions for her. I'm not just telling her like, well, this is what mommy's eats and eat whatever you want. I'm making these decisions based on my understanding, knowing that as she gets older and she asks questions and she's able to make her own decisions that I'm going to be more detached and more detached from what she decides. So when she gets old enough to ask for ice cream or 
she's going to a friend's party and she says, what is this? Or whatever the case may be, then we'll have that discussion, of course. I won't tell her, no, you can't have this. There's no shame related to it. But I would just wait until that's something that she initiates. And I'm thinking about approaching the faith in the same way. So I'm going to tell her these stories directly. I'm going to try and create a space where we can pray together and where she's always invited into this spiritual relationship with God. And the more that she asks questions and if she gets to a point where she's like, I'm not sure if this makes sense, I'm going to try my best, you know, to keep that balance of being detached, but also letting her know that that door is always open, that it's a personal decision and everything like that. So one of the things I saw online is that a Baha'i musician, a rapper named Kobe Jeffers, had put a video of how his son likes to have devotionals with other people, but because of the social distancing right now, the physical distancing, they're having a little devotional with his stuffed toys. And it's just a very cute video. It's mostly songs. And they're going around the circle and every little character is kind of leading a song for his son. And it's also very relaxed. So there's, it feels like there's not any pressure. You know, he's walking around the room, he's getting distracted, but he's being lovingly like pulled back into the idea of sharing prayers with his friends. And so I thought, oh, that's a great idea because I've been trying to think of ways to, um, yeah, incorporate this as more of a routine for us. So I have prayed around or holding my children, but I thought this is a really sweet idea. And Azalea particularly likes books. I've been reading her books since she came out <laughs> and she really likes books. So even if she's not totally engaged the whole time, she is more likely just to sit and flip through one of the books like Blessed is the Spot. We had it yesterday, I believe, for the first time with the little stuffed animals, and it was good. And of course, kids crave structure, so the more we stay with this routine of having the devotional, eventually she'll even, I'm sure, help me set it up. The books and the stuffed animals and everything like that, because she does that with other things. Because, for instance, with toys, I've been trying to clean up one activity before we move to the next one and have her be a part of that. So now she knows like much more easily after we've done it for months and months and months, okay, if she sees mommy starting to clean up, she happily comes and helps. So I know that these routines are very important to them, and it's more for us to be consistent. Um, and then my resource is <laughs> that I'm having a book launch for my poetry book on motherhood <laughs> from the perspective of a child and a mother on Sunday. So you're most welcome. It's um, 1 o'clock Eastern time in the United States, 10 o'clock California time. And then like for instance in Poland, I think it's about 7 p.m. So you can look at whatever time zone. But if you look at DC 1 p.m., then you should be able to figure out what time it is. And it's only half an hour. So please, if you want to attend, put it in your calendar to come at 1 to 1.30 and know that it's just going to be a half an hour. So <laughs> you're going to miss it if you come too late or, you know, it's not going to take too much of your time. Of course, you're most welcome to attend that. It's going to have some music and poetry as well as readings from my book. And what else did I want to say about that? Oh, yeah, of course, I'll put the link to that in the show notes. So I'm going to end this episode by reading a couple more of my poems than usual. And I decided I would read poems that are not going to be read for the book launch so that there's not that overlap. So the first poem is actually a poem I wrote about my great-grandmother, who's the first Baha'i in our family and who I was raised with for the first few years of my life. And then during the older years of my childhood, she was always less than like 30 minutes away. 
And the only really regret I have <laughs> that I can think of um, was that I wasn't with her when she passed away, which I really wish that I could have been. Um, I know she was really proud of me because I was serving in the Baha'i World Center in Haifa at the time, but it's something that was um, difficult for me because she gave me this great gift of teaching me about the Baha'i faith. Also because her and my great-grandfather assisted so much in raising me when I was growing up and just being there for us. And so I wish that I would have been able to be there for her physically when she was passing, though I know she was obviously always spiritually with me and very proud of what I was doing. So I wrote this poem about um, kind of my last time being with her and hoping to stay connected in this, I guess, the divide or this place of merge where this world and the next world come together and it's called Psalm of Meadow and Sea. When we last held each other, both with shaking hands, some things I would have said but never got the chance. But I feel somehow you know as my belly starts to grow, we're all swaying in this endless cosmic dance. Won't you meet me where the meadow greets the sea? Tell me stories of the tide until the sun sets me to sleep, and when I wake I know the ropes and boats will all have been set free. Still, could we meet here where the meadow greets the sea? So part of that poem was the fact that my grandmother didn't know that I was pregnant when she passed away. The last time I saw her in person was in November, and I didn't get pregnant until January. But um, And then she passed away at the end of January. But yeah, I hadn't told her yet because we hadn't told anyone yet. We were still waiting to go to our first doctor's appointment to make sure that everything was okay and that, you know, the pregnancy was developing fine. So I didn't get to physically tell her about my pregnancy before she passed. But I believe, you know, that she, she found out about it <laughs> in the next world. So I'll go to the next phase kind of when I... Uh, found out that I was pregnant, which was a great joy for me because I've always wanted to have children. And this poem is called Moonlit Coast. I lay on my side, another silent Saturday night, caressing the curves of my body, this outstretched coastline of foam and glistening tide. How many a dazzling yet empty shell washed up on this shore until you deem these living waters. And the last poem I read is called To Mother, <laughs> and it is the poem that is from the title of the book, and it's much more simple poem, but it just is an ode to all the types of mothers out there, so I'll end with this poem, To Mother. Mother land, mother load, mother temple, mother tongue. Mother wake, mother work, mother worry, mother run. To your side, to your rescue, to your dreams, mother comes. By marriage, by fostering, by adoption, by birth. Mother of one, mother of all. Godmother, Mother Earth. Mother to loss, mother's lost. Mother's found, mother become. To uplift, to take pride, to sacrifice for another. To mother. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And I hope that you'll join me on Sunday for the watch party. And yeah, stay safe and be well. Light and love. 
To Mother is an individual initiative and provides only the personal reflections and insights of its creator. That's me. For more information about the Baha'i faith, including access to the official writings and contacts for Baha'is in your community, please visit Baha'i.org.